If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. An old friend comes visiting this Sunday at Akershore Stadium. His first time stepping foot in the Akershore Stadium. By the way, are we starting to think a little curse on the, uh, on the, new the name. name of the stadium? I, mean, I don't uh, think so. It's only been two games. Oh, and two, though. You, if you, beat, you if lose you beat, to the Jets. If you beat Brady, there's no talk of any curse ever, I would ever, have liked ever. to retroactively gone back in time and changed the name earlier if we beat Brady in this first in his first <laughs> visit to Akershore Stadium. Last time he stepped foot in, his, in this venue, he lost. Yes. And... That's a rare thing for the Steelers when it comes to Tom Brady. The wins against that guy are fewer fewer and farther between than the uh, losses are. Last time the Steelers met Brady was in 2019, the year that Ben Roethlisberger unfortunately got hurt. It was the Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph year. The Steelers got blasted by the defending Super Bowl champion Patriots in Foxborough. They're raising the banner. I think they lost that game game like 31-3. Oh, yeah, they got crushed. But Ben was in that game. That was before he He went He played that full game in that one, and then two passes into the Seattle game the next week. Gone for the year, and got to be honest with you, arm, probably never the same. Career, probably never the same for Big Ben after that. So... That's your last meeting with Tom. It's been quite a while, actually. You're yes. used to seeing him at the very most, or at the very least, you see him every other year when he was playing in New England. Mm-hmm. It seemed to work out that way. The Steelers and the Patriots would always finish around the same. Well, the Patriots would always win the division. Right. The Steelers would every now and again win the North and play them, or just based on the rotation, they'd end Get up playing the, the Patriots. Yep. Exactly. So this is kind of a an unusual hiatus when it comes right. to the Steelers and, and their, their and that, little rival Tom Brady. And even that here. 2019 game doesn't really feel like a part of it just because it was such a blowout, A, and B, it came during such a weird time for the franchise. Even though they had been on the roster, they had him unavailable because of that elbow injury. What's amazing to me this year when it comes to Brady and when it comes to the Buccaneers is that I, I think, they're well, they're 3-2 and two right now. And I think everybody has kind of had the take that they're still good. I still think they'll win the South. Maybe they can make some noise in the playoffs, but they're not the same Tampa Bay team that we've seen in the past couple of years with Brady. No, and I got to be honest, Tom, I believe I took the Patriots to win the NFC this year. The Buccaneers, not the Patriots. Sorry, the, That'd the, be the wild Buccaneers. If the Patriots <laughs> the NFC. And I don't know if that's looking like such a good prediction now. Well, the thing that's so funny, and we can talk about this in a different NFL episode, maybe on Fireside Friday, the NFC is so wide open right now. It is wide open. So wide open. So, like, you say that, but then I kind of push back on you because 
There's like five teams I think that can realistically win it, it's and like I the think Eagles, the Bucks are in it. The Eagles, the Cowboys, Cowboys the Giants. The, I'm kidding. The Packers, the, the Bucks. The Packers, I'm a little meh about, but they're probably still in there. The Packers, the Bucks, and who else? The Niners. I the think Niners, the Niners okay, that's, can that's win fair. it. They're just such a good team around Jimmy G. Like maybe the best team in football around their quarterback, who just isn't that great. But I think the Bucks are still right in there as a contender. Certainly not as formidable as the past couple of years. But I will say this with Brady. I think we're kind of just spoiled at this point with him because he's a top-five quarterback in the league right now. Like, numbers-wise, he is playing phenomenally. He's as efficient as anyone. He's thrown one interception so far through five games for the team. In a weird way, like, the offense is the reason why the Buccaneers have struggled somewhat especially in that Packers game where they can only score 12 points. Well, that was the only game all year that they were without both Mike Evans exactly and right. Chris Godwin. It's, it's not Tom Brady's fault that mm-hmm. the offense has been struggling a little bit, and it's going to be his uh, doing when they wake up and become great again, which I think they will, and it could start as early as this week, although you hope that that's not the case against the Steelers. But right. he really is. like We're just so spoiled and so used to him being great that like he's not the best this year and he's like fifth or sixth and we're just kind of like you know he's doing his thing I guess I mean the offense isn't as good as it was but I mean Brady's doing his thing it's just like well whatever it's like we're taking this for granted it's a 45 year old man out there playing in the upper half of quarterback play in the NFL and that's why I think once they get healthier on offense Evans is back uh Last week, after serving his suspension and played a phenomenal football game, or he's been back for two weeks now, and he's played a phenomenal football game in both those uh, weeks. He has over at least 70 or 60 yards receiving in every single one of the games that he's played in this year. He averages 15.8 yards uh, per catch. His average route run is 2.68 yards, which (laughs) Matt Williamson will tell you is freakish to have an average route of that length, 2.68 yards. So... He's one of the best wide receivers in football. He's fully back now. Godwin, I question if Godwin's the same Godwin as he was before the injury last year and now the injury this year. I still think he's really good and he's going to work himself back, but he's that slot guy for Brady and the Buccaneers and clearly becoming the second fiddle to Mike Evans. But that's a really good second fiddle to have. No, again, we we always talk about wide receiver duos, and maybe before the injury it was probably number one. Uh, out there, but I kind of agree with you that it, it could Chris Godwin may not be the same, but certainly not the worst option, even close to having as your second wide receiver. No, so them getting their full arsenal back at that spot is huge for them and huge for that offense. And now he's been back, right? Now he's played, yeah, two he's games. played a couple games. Evans has played a couple games. Since he's suspension. obviously getting more comfortable. Brady's obviously getting more comfortable throwing him the Julio's ball. Julio's just old, so he's not going to do anything I think crazy. Really. Not irrelevant. I bet you he has a couple big catches for them in, in games down the stretch and games this season, but he ain't going to put up seven catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Two although, although we were talking about guys like Hodgins and Shakir, Khalil, and yeah. I mean, the number of other guys on that on that Bills team who caught great passes. Julio's young, though. You know what I mean? Like, I really just think Julio is done. Is gone. I mean, he, he's past his prime. He's past his after his prime. He's he's just time to hang it up, probably for him. But they still use him as that number three wide receiver in this offense if he's healthy. Of course, he's. I mean, just had guy, his, he's just he had has, his career completely slowed down by injuries in the past the, four years. On the year, he's played in two two out of five games. 
for a total of four catches for a total of 76 yards. So there you go. You know what's sad? What's that? I'm pretty sure that's almost the exact same amount or not close to the amount that Claypool has <laughs> on the year. Of yards. Of yards. And playing in five games. playing in games. all five games. Yeah. Fully healthy. Never once showing up on the injury report. But yeah, that's that's where I think Julio is now. But I would not be surprised if he plays in like this a wild card game. game. Yeah. No, not this oh, game. But if, if he catches okay, like a fade you. route in the end zone for a big touchdown, like for his only catch of the game. You know what I mean? Like, just feel like guys like him who are past their prime but are going to go to the Hall of Fame, you know, they have the, it's like, wow, this is going to be a huge nerd reference here. But the movie Ghost Rider, Sam Elliott's character, he had one last ride left in him. Okay. I view guys like Julio like that, where it's like, I'm done. But I got I can turn it back. One, I mean, how about, you throw that fade around the end zone one more time, Brady. I'm snatching it out of here for a touchdown. Eric Weddle last year for the Rams, coming back out of he's retirement. Got one, he's got one more ride left. Tore his back in the Super Bowl, but played through it because he, he, he got that ring, baby. He got that ring. So I think Julio's like that, where he's gonna be a very upsetting participant for Tampa fans, and they're gonna make you scratch he's gonna make you scratch your head. He's gonna make you wonder why you went out and got him. And then he's going to catch the touchdown that pushes you past the Cowboys in the wild card round. And everybody's going to be like, oh, that's why we went and got Julio then. <laughs> All right. That makes sense to me. So it's Evans. It's Godwin. That's the show right now for Tampa Bay. And as the receivers come off suspension, get healthier, you're only going to see them throw the ball more and more. And they already throw the ball a ton. Like I said, the past couple weeks, 77% of the time. They're dropping back, and they're passing that thing. So that's the identity of the offense. Now that the weaponry is starting to come around, mm-hmm. you're just going to see them score more and more and more, I think. The one place, though, where I think they are severely lacking is at tight end. Obviously, you're not going to replace a Hall of Famer in Gronk. But even the Gronk that you had wasn't the Gronk of old in New England, but still But he was better, better than what you've had yeah, right with Cameron Brait right yeah. now, and you've got a backup rookie in Kate Otten who played a ton last week because Brait was out. There's just been a couple of Bucks games that I've seen because they're always on national TV since it's Brady, mm-hmm. where there's passes to Brait to the tight ends that – don't go for the big play that it should, or it's a drop, or it's not. They turn the wrong way, and the ball whizzes past their left shoulder when it they thought it was going to go by their right. And I kind of like look at Brady's face, and he's not mad, and he's not like you know yelling and screaming at his tight ends. But I I, I look into his beautiful, beautiful eyes, <laughs> and I see that he thinks uh, eighty seven probably has that ball in his back pocket. And I'm talking mm. about the current 87 not, not the prime 87 right. hall of fame i'm a freak not I'm the Travis one who Kelsey. Would, you would never ever second guess no you're talking about the the older like this gronk. old man yeah. bad back i have a robot mm-hmm. arm gronk probably still has some of those catches in his back pocket could he return probably i kind of do feel like this is it for him though i feel like he is officially done with football. I think he's turned a page on that chapter I think it's be, I think it's really hard for a guy to come back mid-season. But at the same time, I think, in a way, it's kind of up to Brady, right? Because, like, Brady's probably right now, respect, you know what, he retired. I get it, man. Don't want to ruin another marriage by bringing <laughs> a guy out of retirement. I get it. <laughs> I, like, I, you, you moving on? You're moving on. Mm-hmm. But as we get closer to the playoffs and he's looking at the Eagles and he's like, these linebackers can be had if I had a really good tight end, maybe I'll give Gronk a call. Like, if he starts calling Gronk, come on, buddy. 
one more, one more run. We can do this. It's probably going to be hard for Gronk to say no. I mean, those two are as attached to, at the hip sure. as any tandem in football in history. For sure. And and the numbers provide that backup or, or back that back that up. They're both going into the Hall of Fame hand in yeah, hand. Yeah, for sure. Like, I bet Brady does the speech for Gronk, and I wouldn't be surprised if Gronk does Brady's speech. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that could do it. I guarantee Brady. you Brady does Gronk's speech. Yeah, I don't think there's a better person. I mean, you maybe you could say Belichick, but Belichick didn't also go to Tampa Bay with— Terrible speaker, too. Oh, just yeah, be up there you don't like, want oh, that. Gronk playing a lot of touchdowns, and he did the spike thing that was great. But to your point about it no longer being Gronk, it still doesn't make a difference because Tom Brady, as you said, is just as efficient as he's ever been, right? He has, like, what, through five weeks, I think, like, six touchdowns and one interception— on the year, seven maybe and seven, one. seven and one. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's typical Brady numbers. It's third in the league in passing yards. Too. Yeah, that's it's exactly what Tom Brady does. The man led the league in passing yards last year. It doesn't matter. And touchdowns. Like, last so like, year. I'm not even saying if you give him Gronk, he's going to be that much better. But if you give him Gronk, he would just, I think, be so much more comfortable going out there and saying, "I can trust my guys," rather than going out there with Godwin and Evans and that really being it. Maybe. Fournette as a checkdown guy, right? Yes. Like, just because his tight ends are bad doesn't mean that he's going out there and saying, well, I don't know why I came back out of retirement. This seems no, terrible. no, no, no. And he's using his running backs a lot more. In fact, he's thrown 104 passes the past two weeks, and 27 of them went to running backs. So he loved doing that in New England. Can we just, he loved getting the ball to the backs out of the backfield. That's happening now more in Tampa. Can we just reverse really quickly? At age 44, he's thrown 104 passes in two weeks. Okay, you ready for this stat? That is ridiculous. Hold on, I got to pull We this just up. said Kenny Pickett at the age of 24 shouldn't be throwing 52 passes in a week. And Brady just did that in back-to-back weeks, 20 years the senior of Kenny. Yeah, and he won one of the games too. Like A lot of the times when people throw the ball that much, it can yield in poor results. You, know, you, you don't mm. want to throw the ball 50 times, you're going to lose the game more often than not. That ain't the case with Brady. When he throws the ball, uh, he ends up usually winning football games. In fact, I, I got to try to find this stat right now. It's from Matt Williamson. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying to look it up, but it's amazing how good his record is when he throws 50 plus times since 2016 compared to the rest of the league. It's absurd. Like though he's five and two. I know that for a fact. When he throws the ball fifty plus times since twenty sixteen, he's a five and two record. And that's twenty sixteen. Let's think about that. That was what his age thirty eight season, thirty nine season. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not in his prime. That is at his old age and still somehow winning Super Bowls age. Yeah, exactly. The rest of the league though, when since twenty sixteen, when they throw fifty plus times, they're like twenty one, one hundred and four and four. They almost always lose, so it's, which makes sense. If, you, if you're throwing the ball that much, it probably means that your team is desperate. You can't get the run established, and you're likely stepping away from the run because you're trying to catch up. You 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 can't afford the time loss by running the ball constantly. It makes a lot of sense. Twenty one, one hundred and five and four. Yeah, That's what go. the rest of the league is, and that makes total sense. Yeah, and for the reasons that you laid out, but with Tampa, it's like. You're right about them doing that because they can't get the run going, but that's really the only reason why. 
they're not always chasing from behind, needing to come back in games. They just like to pass the freaking ball. They no, just, I mean, they just that, know that's their bread and butter. That game against Green Bay, look at their two losses, right? The game against Green Bay, that game was never completely out of reach. I mean, they went down and scored on their final drive of the game and just missed out on a two-point conversion to tie it up. Yep. So that game was never at such a far distance away that they had to abandon the run. The Chiefs game... The Chiefs game worse is the, because he fumbled the opening kickoff right. and gave the ball the, for the right, Chiefs at the right 10 Right to Kansas City, line. and yeah. then they scored immediately. So they lost by 10 in that game, but really, it could have been only a three-point game if you take away that. They could have won the game. Right, so they've been close in every single game. It's not like they've just been floundering. And, and like we said in that Chiefs game, you know their defense didn't show up for the first time all year, but that's when their offense played their best. Mm-hmm. Evans had two tutties that were incredible, <laughs> and Brady was thrown for like 380 yards on the day. So like... They have what it takes offensively to still move the ball. I will say this, though. I think one spot where I question their roster construction, and hey, something's got to give when you have such an all-star squad like they do, and you just keep bringing in talented players who are on their second and third contracts that you need to pay a little bit. Something's got to be sacrificed, but they weren't exactly a team that you thought of as run first. In fact, they still passed the ball at this high clip last year as well. Brady, I think, threw the ball more than anybody. But you always thought that they could get the job done on the ground. Or Mm -hmm. Brady used the ground game very effectively. They were never anywhere close to the bottom of the league in rushing. They certainly didn't average 66 yards per game through five games in the previous years. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette were your one-two punch. And Lenny obviously gets the highlights, gets the, the, the play from the media, playoff Lenny. He's great in the playoffs. He was a top-five draft pick when he came out of college at LSU. Oh, yeah. But Ronald Jones, I think, was stirring that drink a little bit more than people expected. And now that he's gone and it's just really Leonard Fournette and then a couple of dudes because Gio Bernard's stuck on IR... Gio Bernard is still in the league. How about that? But that they need him. Like yeah, they I guess so. need another back. And I think that they're lacking at depth in that running back room. And it's hurting them a little bit on the ground game. I, I think Ronald Jones was a lot better for this offense than they may have even thought. Did a lot more yes. than you may have thought, despite being a significant number two. A, a clear second to Landon Fournette's number one, right? It wasn't like, oh, who are you going to go I, with? See, I thought that they were so complimentary of each other that it was almost 1A, 1B when they were in Tampa Bay. And they I hated picking running backs for fantasy in Tampa because one week Ronald Jones is right, getting all course. the carries then the next week Leonard Fournette's getting all the carries. And there was even one more guy too. And, it and wasn't they were Gio such Bernard, different. Yeah. Gio Bernard was part of it too. He played last year. They're such different runners, Ronald Jones and um, Leonard Fournette, uh-huh. that matchup-wise, you get a team that you can ground and pound on, we're going to run Lenny a lot. Oh, they're susceptible through the air with running backs out of the back. We're going to get Ronald Jones a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, you could pick and choose which running back you went to based on the team you were playing. I, I just don't think that running back room is as deep as, as it has been, and I think that's hurting their offense slightly. They average 20 points per game. I expect it to get closer to 30 points per game by the end of the season because I think they're going to start to figure things out if they stay healthy. But Brady loves to use his running game as such a complementary piece to him passing the ball 66 yards per game ain't going to put any fear in anybody, and they're going to start selling out to stop the pass because they don't think you can run. Yeah, but, Tom, that doesn't even make the difference because we've seen them 
be what? You said the, the second worst team at running the ball this year? They are. And the only team worse is the L.A. Rams. And their two losses came against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers and Kansas City against Pat, and Pat Mahomes. And in those games, uh, the, the Green Bay game was a lot less scoring, but the Kansas City game, they, it didn't matter how, how unused the running backs were in the ground game. They were still able to put up what? They, that game was the final score or something like 35 to 31 or 38 to 31, something what, like City, that. Kansas City, Tampa Bay? Yeah. It was 41 31. There you go. So, I mean, they still put up four touchdowns. And I, I'm I'm betting you, I'm betting you Tom Brady wasn't looking at himself saying, man, I really wish we had a rushing touchdown. I mean, I'm sure he could say, like, I, I wish we had a more efficient running game. He didn't game. say that, but I, I bet you he's saying that. A more efficient running yes. game, for sure. But there's no, there's probably no bone in his body saying, oh, I wish I had thrown a touchdown pass to a running back instead of Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Defensively, we said it in our first episode briefly, juggernaut, one mm-hmm. of the best, elite. These are all applicable, ter- applicable terms for that defense sure. in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Vita Vea up front is a stud and a half. Devin White and Levante David are a great tandem on the inside. Shaq Barrett is an animal rushing the passer from the outside. Antoine Winfield Jr., Jamal Dean, Mike Edwards, these dudes in the, cor- in the backfield – and in the secondary, excuse me, they never leave the field. They've each missed a combined three snaps total all season long. And by the way, throw Devin White and Levante David in there as well. They've only been off the field for three mm-hmm. snaps all year long. The nucleus of Tampa Bay's defense stays out there every single play of the game. They make plays. They have nine takeaways so far this year. That's towards the top of the league. They're third in sacks with 19. That's about almost four sacks per game so far this year. They get after the quarterback. Everything that you want them to do well defensively, they do. They do. Except they give up 115 yards on the ground, which is right in the middle of the pack. Maybe that's Sue not being there to help out Vitavea up front, and they're trying to you know figure out how to replace Ndamukong because mm-hmm. he was a huge factor for that team for the Super Bowl year and then the right. last year. But if you're only giving up 115 yards per game on the ground and your pass defense only gives up like 170, which is like sixth best in the league, your total defense translates to the sixth best in the league by only giving up 300 yards per game and 16.6 per game. So despite their struggles early in the running game, stopping the run, they're still at world beater status when it comes to that defense. And by the way, Todd Bowles, his def- he's a defensive guy, and his defense's MOs have always been to stop the run. So I think that he's going to figure this out. He's going to be able to and- replace Sue, and Vita Vey is going to figure out things because he's an all-pro caliber player. They're missing depth up front. You know, JPP's not there anymore, but I think they'll figure things out. I bet that number goes down on average as opposed to go up as the season goes on. Well, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to start with maybe on the season for sure it goes down, but maybe that that average goes down starting this week. You you want to talk about an ideal opponent if you're running defenses not again, not struggling. It's as you said, middle of the pack, about 
league average, but if you want to try to get to that tier of top 10 rather than top 15, you you go up against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who really sure. just do not do as good of a job as they should be considering the offensive, li- offensive line's improved play and the star talent you have in Najee Harris. But considering the struggles by the Pittsburgh Steelers on the run, Tampa Bay could easily have a shutdown day. Yeah, I think they could, which is why I'm hoping that if you're the Steelers and you see Najee maybe not having the burst that you need him to, if the holes are there early in the game, because that's your plan of attack right now, at least on paper, that's what I think you should do, is you should try to establish the run early, whether that be with some Kenny design stuff, uh, to get some trickeration involved in running the football, whether that be just, you know, hoping that Najee can show some burst and the line can move some bodies up front. I don't know. But you got to try to attack on the ground first. If Najee doesn't look like he's got the burst, if you see holes that are there that he's not hitting, don't hesitate to pull the trigger on number 30. Uh, put Warren out no, there. No, I agree. Yeah, it, it, It's getting to that point now where you yeah. give Najee the start, of course. Give him the first series, right. second series even, if you like kind of what you saw in the first series or if they just weren't blocking up for him nicely. But if you see some holes, you know, if you're looking at the Microsoft tablet after possession and you're like, well, Daniels and Chooks really sealed that guy pretty nicely. Why didn't you run up that hole? Mm-hmm. Then you got to start to put Warren in a little bit more. It's getting to be that point, and I don't know if it's necessarily performance based. It could be injury related for Najee, but however we've gotten here, we've gotten here. Yeah, the the Jalen Warren story coming out of training camp was, oh wow, you found a guy who went undrafted, and not only could this guy make his way up the running back depth chart, but he could easily finish as the number two guy mm-hmm. in your running back room. Not just beating out guys like um, Anthony McFarland or or other depth pieces. He he went all the way to beating out Benny Snell as, as the RB two, and we were saying that that could have been a season season ending finish for him, and he did before the season even started. So a huge props to him. But now that you've gone five weeks, and now that the narrative has continued to be the offensive line. Wow, is it really playing a lot better than expected? However. You're, you're having worse production on the ground despite the better play of the offensive line. You're having worse production through the run game than you did at this point last year through five weeks of the season, through the first five weeks of the season in 2021. And how does that make sense? It could be because you're A, running back, your running back is hurt and, and playing through an injury, or B, for some reason he's just not seeing the holes as well as he should be given that they are there. And so even though the Jalen story, Jalen Warren story was a good one, he's shown that he can hit those holes and he can be involved in the passing game as well. So you've reached the point of the season where it's no longer, oh, well, Jalen Warren can come in on, on a couple of third and longs if you don't really feel like risking Najee there. Now it's, oh, Jalen Warren is going to be out there on a couple of first and second downs throughout the whole game and not just at the end. Hey, check out the Steelers Weekend Review. It's hosted by Wesley Euler, and it's a recap of the previous game as well as a look at the Steelers' next opponent. New episodes drop every single Tuesday, and they are available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. What day is it today? Wednesday. What what does that mean? It's already out. No, it means it's power rankings. Oh, I thought we were, I thought we were talking about Wes's episode was already Jacob's out. already always slow on this pickup. No, I'm just trying to help, hype slow. up my boy Wes. You're always slow when it comes to those things. 
It is Wednesday. It's a power ranking Wednesday. We're going to dive into our week six NFL power rankings on our next episode. Tons to dive into there. A lot of moving and shaking when it comes to the middle of the pack. Top of the pack pretty much stayed the same, yeah, at I least agree. in my mind. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman. We'll reveal our top 10 next on the Steelers Standard. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for Lemonade Days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.